0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Gross Podcast. You know, the subject of narcissism has been a big one. That's been all over the internet, all over social media, and for good reason. You know, I, I think it in some ways had has been a bit of a buzzword, you know, that we sort of label any behavior that's avoidant as being narcissistic. Um, but with that said, th- learning about this subject is actually in- incredibly important, how to navigate... The dating process to be able to identify people who might be narcissistic. And if you're in relationship with whether it's romantic or friendship or what it might be with a parent, how do you navigate it? And, you know, the, the significance of this is that our partner selection will obviously determine a large part of the direction of our lives, also the quality of our health and the quality of our life in general. And, you know, the research from Harvard looking at well-being and, and originally this was called the Harvard Men's Study followed people from, you know, a young age all the way till their eighties. It's one of the longest running studies on well-being and now it's following other generations. And it compared people from poorer neighborhoods to graduates from Harvard, which obviously have, uh, are from, in general, higher socioeconomic status. And they looked at the quality of their life and they saw that the greatest predictor of the quality of your health at age 80 was actually the quality of your relationships at age 50 and not just romantic relationships but just relationships of all kinds so healthy relationships are in some ways protective of our health you know they make harder days less hard and again not needing to be in a romantic relationship but just support having support So this was a really important subject that I wanted to navigate in my course, Dating 101. As you're in the dating process, you know, most people think, hey, I'm I'm waiting to be picked. Like, oh, you like me? I like you. Oh, you want that? I want that too. Like we're waiting for someone to choose us. And one of the most powerful shifts I had and I teach in that course is that you are choosing. Like, does this person align with you? Are they a good fit for you? Do they align with your values and your standards? Do they treat... You and people with respect and kindness, do you like them? Which is interesting because it's such a simple shift, but it's so powerful. And I wanted to interview one of the best on this subject, but also one of the best in the area and arena of relationships. He is a relationship alchemist. And you know, I love that word, alchemist. Um, and it's Stefano Stefandos, and he's been on the podcast before. He's incredible. You're going to be getting... A, a special treat because this is a lesson from my course, Dating 101. And he has trained elite special forces soldiers, Olympic gold medalists, high performing CEOs, entrepreneurs, world champion fighters, couples, and individuals. I mean, talk about the ability to be able to work with diverse people, but right, it's all similar stuff. You know, like I remember Tony Robbins saying that humans can only present their problems in so many ways. And we need to have more tools than the problems that are presented and within ourselves, right? We need to find tools that help us uncover. And there's nothing better than being empowered in the dating process. You are sorting when you're dating. And I hope that you find yourself incredibly empowered by this episode with Stefano Stefandos, an incredible man, an incredible teacher. And his voice is actually very wonderful too so let it let it soothe your soul before we jump into the episode please wherever you listen to it go give the episode a five-star review or a written review or and a written review because that's a wonderful way that you could support the podcast and and really means so much to me so if you could just take the time to do that i would be so appreciative thank you and without further ado here's stefanos Well, well, well! I am so excited to have my good friend Stefanos. Stefanos, did I say that right? Stefanos. 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 That is about a Greek name as you can get. Isn't
1: Basically, it? my middle name is Spiros, so yeah, it's. Oh,
0: great. Spiros! I grew up with a guy who's Greek, Spiros. So yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I'm excited to have you here, and for those of you watching, we're about to learn. I would say some of the most important work in terms of questions I get about how do you identify narcissism and the red flags that are sort of at the beginning of the relationship that really are the ones that lead into these traumatic bonds that are super highly wounding and manipulative and all those things. And it almost feels like when we're in them, we're so buried in the mind fuckery I don't know if there's another (laughs) term for that that really equals it with the same uh, pizzazz, uh, but that we can't see out. So thanks for coming today and and talking about this and and giving your perspective. I think it's um, such an incredibly important topic.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me here, brother. I I appreciate it. It's definitely something. That I I hear a lot as well in the space, it, you know, how do we? You know, I had a narcissistic mother and I had a narcissistic ex husband, and narcissism or this term, this word narcissism, is thrown around a great deal, and there's there's complexity to it. right We were discussing mm-hmm. that earlier, but there definitely are signs that you can look for, you know, character disposition in in people that oh you notice a pattern, you think that doesn't seem quite on point there's something not quite right there what's happening
0: yeah in that space of like there's an intuitive hit and one thing that that we've been exploring through dating 101 and this is you know within week four so one thing that we've been exploring is the relationship to our intuition and our nervous system that like often what we just sort of canceled as a oh i don't have to worry about that or like oh that's just a feeling like really getting back and rooted into the wisdom of like where we like want to intellectually understand a red flag. Sometimes the body is actually conceptually aware of a red flag that intellectually we're like, that's fine. You know what I mean?
1: We want it to be fine. Right, Right. we're 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 coming off. We're we're feeling a little desperate. We haven't dated for a while. You know, COVID has us not feeling too well. We're feeling isolated. Whatever it may be, you know, we 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 were really hurt by our last relationship. We're not feeling good enough. We want that next partner to be that partner that saves us. You know, Especially mm. if that's a, a wound or a pattern for us as well. But more importantly, we want to find love. We want to create unity and connection. And, and we're very, very good as human beings justifying our actions and justifying the choices that we make.
0: Oh, and aren't we the best?
1: whatever it may be, you know, we just, we come up, can come up with really good justifications. I think everyone has the capacity to be a great lawyer. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) So true. It's like, I will find the gray in everything here just to justify staying in a pattern.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Because that pattern's familiar and it feels safe irrespective of whether it's hurting a short and or long-term. Right. And so, and that's where uh, a narcissist, whether it's someone that has, a clinically diagnosed NPD narcissistic personality disorder or someone that's very high on the trait of grandiose narcissism or even vulnerable narcissism um, more grandiose narcissism in this case. So that's more, I don't want to say more the common one, but it's more the one that mostly people refer to. Um, and we, you know, we can break down the differences.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's want, do that. We could do that as, as you explore it.
1: Yeah. 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 So, you know, ultimately that, that vulnerable narcissism is, it can also be known as covert narcissism. And it's a form of narcissism that it's, it's very, the distinction is neurosis, like it's neuroticism, right. And it's feelings of shame and introversion. Whereas, you know, grandiose narcissism, it's, it's, it's um, extreme on the scale. The vulnerable narcissism is extreme on the other end of the scale, so to speak. Right. But they're both, they're both pathological, so to speak. Um, They're, you know, they're both pathological ways of, of being in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so, that That overt out there grandiose narcissism is both are insecure. Both have both come yeah. from a place of I'm insecure, I don't feel good enough but they deal with it or they express it in the world in very different ways. And the level of manipulation is different. One is more, again, out there over, um, I'm going to identify myself with status and and things and material possession and the trophy partner and, and so forth. And I want to be seen with certain people and I have to be seen in a very particular way to validate myself and feel better in myself. And the vulnerable narcissism is, you know, it's, it's a little different. It's more, Introverted, it's more recluse and it's it's not that it's rare. I, I get sort of stuck on this one because it's it's very narcissism is very complicated. It's more right, complicated it than personality uh, borderline personality disorder. It can be really difficult to spot someone that has narcissism, and we'll talk about you know some of those ways that we can we can do that. But ideally, we want to understand that it is a mental condition. It is a behavioural condition. Some people believe that it cannot be quote unquote cured. I, I sort of tend to disagree. Maybe that's yeah, the optimism. I do too. Yeah. I, th- I, think, I think in the right environment, um, people can shift and can really, really change, but there, there has to be a lot of variables that impact that. But to just say something is, or you're, you've got NPD, you're stuck with it. I think that's a little harsh. I don't think that's going to help individuals that have NPD and individuals that are impacted by narcissism either.
0: Yeah, I think those types of clinical diagnoses can sometimes be identity traps. You know, yeah. I think when we are aware that we have a tendency to uh, be narcissistic as a form of, because really like those, pers- and please correct me if I'm wrong, the order of that type of personality, the the order of those traits is... Uh, a protective mechanism of sort of like covering deep unworthiness and deep shame. And, and so you never even really have to touch it. It almost seems like an extreme form of disassociation. I mean, it must because you're void of empathic, the experience of empathy.
1: Yeah. And some would say that, that the, literally the physical aspects of our brain, the moving parts in our brain that are responsible for empathy and connection and and, and mirroring and so forth, are disabled damage, et cetera. And that, you know, back to that grand sense of narcissism where there's this unrealistic sense of superiority, right? There's this it's more than just arrogance and vanity and ego, and this is where the dis- some of the disassociation comes from. Is I I'm so above and superior to others. I'm so I'm so better than others. Yet I need others to feel better because I need the contrast. And we're relational beings, and there's a an in- instinctual part of us that are yearning to connect to other human beings. That um, I can't be understood by anyone. Yet I need you to try and understand me so I can justify how good I am by you not understanding it. Right. Right. And th- they're too good for average people or ordinary people. They're too good for for, um everyone yet they need everyone and that can be super fucking confusing
0: for the majority of my adult life i've been searching for a tasty protein powder i've been searching for an amazing protein powder one that doesn't just add protein to my shake but like adds flavor and creaminess and deliciousness and all those things And I'm happy to have found that in the Organifi Complete Protein. It's organic, it's vegan, it's also a multivitamin with digestive enzymes, so I kinda like that stack. 20 grams of protein, all in one delicious, easy to mix shake. It's got seven superfoods, it's 100% organic, no soy, no whey. And it helps curb cravings. It contains half of the daily recommended value of selenium, vitamin C, D, E, A, and 35% of your daily iron. And all of these vitamins are from whole foods. And so it's got pea protein, quinoa, pumpkin seed, coconut, which contains MCTs, vanilla bean for the vanilla flavor, five different digestive enzymes in every serving. It helps you digest your food, prevent the bloating and the gas, and absorb more of the nutrients that you eat throughout your day. So if you want to save 20% off both chocolate and vanilla, go to Organifi.com slash create the love and Organifi is spelt O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. So go check it out. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds confusing to experience. You know, (laughs) I think about my response to being heartbroken in college was that I became more obsessed with understanding relational dating behavior. And I became way more like before that I was never into casual relationships. All of a sudden that's all I was focused on. And the other thing I noticed uh, is that like, if the reason I'm telling this is because I feel like if the word narcissist was more popular back then I would have likely been labeled it because I was avoidant. I was really afraid of closeness, but what I would do is, um get validation, you know, get validation through intimacy, but I would always keep people at a bit of a distance. And I yeah. wasn't necessarily dis I wasn't dishonest, but I was totally out of integrity with myself. You know, and and you know, I would say I don't want a relationship, but these I would treat them really well and treat them like a boyfriend. So I'm sure it was like really I'm uncertain because I was told it it was extremely confusing. And and for me I was just terrified of actually being seen terrified and you know I had the conceptual understanding eventually of like this isn't working and what's wrong with me that I can't be loved but it like took a real took the right question at the right time you know
1: that's often what it, what it does take is the timing of a question to get us into a state of wow um, are my behaviors really palatable? Are they aligned with who I truly am? And I, I share very much that that experience as well, that deep, deep fear of intimacy because intimacy was always unsafe and volatile growing up. It was very unknown for me growing up. There was, was I going to receive love or was I going to get the shit beaten out of me, literally? Mm-hmm. And and growing up as an adult, I yearned for intimacy. I yearned for closeness and connection because our voids often become our values, right? Voids as, as children become our values as adults. And I mm. thought I could find it through sex. And so, you know, that's where one night stands, casual sex, prostitution became the norm. Yet I, I, I wanted something deeper. I craved for something deeper, yet I feared it simultaneously. And, and when you look at individuals that have very high traits on the narcissism scale, you often look at their history and at their conditioning, and it's been a very abrupt, abrasive, volatile upbringing, they have had violence, they've experienced abuse, disconnection, disassociation, they've experienced abandonment, rejection, humiliation growing up, usually from primary caregivers or people that are meant to be safe harbors of truth for them growing up, you know, parents or elder brothers, uncles, aunties, teachers, um, priests, whatever it may be, you know, people of leadership and power that have taken advantage of them and so what what they do is as adults well no one's going to fucking take advantage of me anymore i'm going to take advantage of people i'm going to protect myself and i'm going to protect Mm. that part of me that little boy or girl that that needs to be protected i'm going to show the world how fucking strong i am because i didn't have that ability when they were younger to do that
0: wow you think about like how many people have been through experiences like that you know and i think yeah. the hard part we often have when we think about sort of the devastation or destruction that narcissism as a behavior relationally can bring uh, but also in the work world because capitalism really does thrive and promote narcissism individualism. right yeah and individualism so it's like can we make profit at the cost of the planet or at the cost of people i mean that's those are narcissistic decisions and you'll make more money and get more bonuses you know But let's keep it uh, romantically relational here. That's a whole other (laughs) talk, which, you know, I think about the devastating pain that when you are in a relationship with a narcissist, the just sort of disposal that occurs after is it's hard for us to have a compassionate lens for what shapes such a developmental um, trauma, you know, And, and then the survival strategy that's associated the coping mechanism is it's like that idea hurt people hurt people you know, I remember hearing the question from someone, I forget who, but it was like, instead of asking why the narcissist ask, why am I matching to one? Like, why well, am, am I
1: attracting I, one? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And,
0: and I just want to be mindful. That's not voiding the compassion for the pain that occurs there, but literally looking at it like a behavioral scientist or a, a researcher to say, what are the patterns here and how do we change them? Because we could only change ourselves you know, hoping the narcissist change is part of the actual pattern that keeps us in the behavior.
1: Well, also narcissists are attracted attracted to empaths and they're attracted to and some empaths in their shadow expression are victims. Most would be, right? So, and, and being an empath or an HSP, a highly sensitive person, it's not a condition. It's an intrinsic part of who we, you know, I believe 20% of the population are classified as HSPs, right? And so- In the shadow expression of that, you become this victim. You become so sensitive to the outside world that you don't know how to deal with it. And so being a victim keeps you safer because when you're a victim, you get the attention that you need and the, maybe the pity, the sympathy, even the empathy that you need to feel safer in your body. And so narcissists, Grandois narcissists particularly, thrive on that empath, that person, that looks up to them, that needs them, that is codependent, that is desperate, right? That has that fear of rejection and abandonment and is just going to look at that narcissist. As, oh, I, I, I honor you. I I bow to you. You are everything to me. Let me let me be in your space. You know, like they need that. The narcissist need it. So they need each other.
0: Right. They like dance together and you know that's absolutely that's the challenging part is taking responsibility for the side of the dance that engages in that, that misses the red flags uh, and falls in love with the story, you know, and falls yeah. in love and misses the inconsistencies or the the like feeling in our body that's like, hey, but it's, you know, it almost feels like sometimes, uh, you know, because I've certainly been on the other side of that dating experience too, where I was like falling in love with the story and the idea and missing all the fucking red f- so many red flags, a base camp at Everest I missed. And <laughs> I I remember feeling so victimized. And I remember my friend saying to me, yeah, that's so awful that she always gave you a choice. And I was like, oh, fuck you. You know, <laughs> it's like one of those feelings, um, which again, like I'm always mindful because that can feel really dismissive of someone's experience. Uh, it was what I needed to hear because all of a sudden it was like, wait, I'm missing the important information that says I need to change and have a different behavior here because I'm allowing this. And, and that's, man, that's one of the most brave, most courageous, powerful shifts is to, is to make that transition of, of standing up fully of adulting of, you know what I mean?
1: Oh, I do, man. And that, that is one of the ways, and not to jump around too much here, but that is one of the ways we defuse the power, the power a narcissist has over us is not to give them that attention and that energy, not to engage in um, the gaslighting that often uh, accompanies uh, narcissistic uh, behavior, not to engage in that at all, to not argue, to not give it energy, because that's how you you basically burn the flame of a narcissist as you, you know, you remove the oxygen and the Mm. oxygen is your attention. And so if you're giving them attention, you're begging for, for them and you're asking them and you're, you're needing them and you're, you're telling them how wrong you are and how, how amazing they are and that you're sorry. And that if they see you in pain and suffering, that fuels them. And so Mm. one of the ways that we diffuse that is with compassionate orientation towards that person and towards self and being very solid in the decision that we make of, I'm no longer giving you any energy and I'm okay with that. And here's my healthy boundary and setting healthy boundaries, learning how to say no, but that can often be very, very difficult for that individual that plays the victim or is accustomed to playing that role in their lives. Survivor 46 is here. And so is on fire. The only official survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and
0: analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner.
1: Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast.
0: Yeah, and that's such a change, too. You know, I think about. How old did I feel when I was in that behavioral pattern? Like when I was in the the fawning, chasing, not standing up for myself, I probably felt seven, six, you know, where I was like in the chasing aspect.
1: Yeah, Um, I was young. I started young, man, as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. that fawning can be a real, you know, like healing fawning is challenging because it requires the courageous use of our voice and a boundary at the cost of connection to other. But what you realize is you maintain yourself. It's this huge leap that says, I'm going to say, no, I'm going to have this boundary. I'm going to stand up and, and like costing relationship, but realizing no longer costing self. That's such an amazing moment.
1: Yeah, that's, that's empowering. That's you, you taking your power back, bringing oh, back to your own the best, yeah. the
0: best. Okay. So, so what are some of the red flags, the things that we would notice early on in the dating process uh, in the relating and uh, communication, et cetera.
1: Yeah. So a couple of things, Uh, you know, you can tell if it's an issue based or wound. My my, my wife, Christine says, you know, an issue based or wound based relationship. She has, she uses that terminology often. So, you know, you can tell that it's an issue based or wound based relationship within the context of, you know, uh, narcissism, victim dynamic playing out. When you know the sex is fucking super explosive, the sexual connection yeah. is just fucking boom. It's just wow, like to the point. Like, my friend, my friend, well, I was talking to my friend yesterday, and, and he said, "Man, I just, I just, I don't know if I can keep pursuing this archetype of woman where she's just aesthetically, physically so beautiful, yet I, um, I'm attracting uh, psychologically, emotionally damaged women." And I said you know, what you're after is a 10 and a 10 isn't always uh, a 10 in every other department that you need to make a relationship healthy. Now, this isn't a, um, uh, this isn't saying that every attractive person and beauty is subjective anyway, but every attractive person or every person that values their aesthetics is damaged in every other area. Not right. at all. Yeah. Um. There are, there are patterns that we can notice in society and that can be one of them. Right. I remember that, that guy, what was it? The, the hot, sexy or hot, Crazy scale or something. That oh guy, yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like, crazy scale.
1: There was some truth to that, right? Like for men and women. Like, there's some for truth. all
0: humans, right? Yeah, it was. It humans, was
1: absolutely. There's some truth to that. I the arrogance that, that comes with that, <laughs> like the narcissism, right? But you know, again, the, the that that sexual explosion can be can sometimes mean that there are some issues in the relationship. Love bombing. This is an interesting one, right? Um, your your audience understands love bombing. I'm sure they do with you.
0: Yeah, we talked about it a little yeah. bit, but give more uh Yeah.
1: So you know it's it's they're gonna shower you with love, the charming individual that is just giving you everything the moment you meet them. They are giving you everything. They are showing you, they are putting their best, not foot but feet forward, everything. Mm. And they are bombing you. They are and then all of a sudden it goes cold. Mm. Now, sometimes they may completely disappear because they've got what they needed. They got their hit and they're out. They're on to the next one. They have have girls, guys on rotation, whatever it may be, and they're out. They've they've got their validation. They feel good. Or it can just be that they pull right back and then you become, you are so enthralled in that, you know, sexually, emotionally, everything. This is the person for me. Wow, I can't believe I've met this person. You know, you're in the limerence phase of relating the honeymoon period. Your hormones are all over the place. You believe that this is your person and then boom, nothing. That's that love bombing, that charming, right? Yeah. place and so narcissists will often treat you the way they want to in order to feel better about themselves in other words their behavior is super unpredictable that's another that's another sign there's inconsistent
0: cold the i i care about you wait i don't really want anything right now but they're intellectual
1: And they're going to justify it in a really intelligent way that makes you think like gaslighting is another part of it, right? Where they make you believe that you're wrong, that you're wearing a blue sweater, but they're telling you it's red and you believe it's red, but you know, it's blue, that, that level of manipulation. And if you start noticing that where your partner or your, your date, you're dating the person that you're dating is, is, is making you doubt yourself and you're questioning who you are. And you haven't really done that before. That's another sign as well. Right. And so, You've got to be really mindful about that. Other signs are, well, and there's many, I mean, there's so many signs. Um, center of attention. They have to talk about how great they are, their accomplishments, their accolades, their achievements, right? Particularly with grandiose narcissists specifically, right? This helps them feel better about who they are and smarter than everyone else. Because what did you say at the beginning? They're insecure. Right. They're disconnected. They're they're full of shame and they're trying to mask their shame with superiority, with feeling better. So if you're noticing a pattern of your, you know, that person telling how, you know, oh, I saved this person today. They nearly lost their job, but I came in and I convinced the boss to do this. And then there was this lady walking um, with a child and she tripped over and I, and I saved like, if you're noticing these stories constantly, it's probably a telltale sign.
0: <laughs> Where they're just like sharing stories of achievement, of like wanting you to affirm. Yes, seeking
1: affirmation. And if you know, if you're- It doesn't come you, from
0: the energy of pride. It comes from the energy of validation or like pushing up.
1: Yes. And if yeah. you if you start talking about yourself and you start mentioning some of the things just that you've done in your day or you experienced- notice if they're asking follow-up questions are they interested in what they're saying or are they immediately making it about them bringing it back to them oh yeah i had that experience too yeah and let me tell you about that mm. that's a very common thing and that and that's a, again a gray area because that can just be people being insecure and wanting the other person just to value them as well they don't especially have to in
0: the early else. dating process where we're like listen yeah. here's my resume okay yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good
1: it's the best, <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> well, and I think about that the conversation about the the uh, gaslighting because I think about that as being like the denial of someone's reality, right that but what's so crazy about it is like I, I think one of the main symptoms as someone who's dating someone like that is you start to feel a bit bananas like you're like, yes, am, am I losing it? because my world. Like they're telling me I'm going crazy and I'm being insecure and that I, I'm making stories up and I just don't trust them. And I'm, you know, like, think about how many times you are important to me. I'd never do that. No, that text you read, that's, oh, someone sent that to me by accident mm-hmm. or they want something. I don't want anything with them. She just loves me or he just loves me or whatever. And they're crazy, right? Like I think one of the red flags too is when all the people they've been in a relationship are crazy. Like when they tell the story as if all the exes are crazy and it's, it's like- It's their
1: fault. Never, never, never the narcissist. It's
0: like, listen, there's a common denominator here, my friend. Yeah. And it yes. is you. <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah. It is that you. Yeah, it is you. Yeah. So what else do you think?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Empathy is a big one. I mean, this is probably the biggest one. Like this is one of those, you know, center points of, you know, they lack the, the the ability to make you feel seen and validated and understood. And if they do, it's through superficial means, right? But they can't grasp on, you know, someone with NPD. And there's a distinction between, again, people people throw the fucking term around narcissism, but it's a clinical diagnosis. And you essentially have to have meet five of the nine criteria, according to the Diagnostic Statistics Manual, right? Number five, I think we're at now. And even that diagnosis is very ambiguous as well. That's another conversation. But right. you know, it's a serious thing. But the empathy piece is big, right? And so notice like when you're out with them, how are they treating other people? How are they treating a waiter if you're at dinner? How are they treating the movie theater attendant if you're at the movie theater? Notice how they're treating other people. Another characteristic is the the friendships piece. So you'll see that narcissists don't have many, if any, long-term friends. And they or they don't have many friends at all. and They don't have many long-term friends. And there's a reason for that, right? Because they don't treat them well. And eventually that that shit gets weeded out. Unless, of course, that narcissist has put themselves in a very, very powerful position, right? Um,
0: so people want to be around them, that, around them. to source power from them.
1: Correct. That's, that's right. Yeah. And so th- that can be confused, but it's easy to see like, is there an intimacy or a closeness there? So the empathy piece and the, you know, they don't have any or many long-term friends or, you know, many friends at all they, they'll have many superficial acquaintances Oh, they know everyone. They have a they have a, a name and a number for every one of your needs. I mean, I'm that type of person in terms of I love connecting people. Like if you yeah, said to me, yeah, yeah. me like too. even before we were talking about someone, and I said, "Oh, do you know him?" and you said, "Yeah," I'll put you in touch. you like, "Yes," because I love right. that. I love me helping too. people too, right? And we were talking about something else, and and you said, "Well, I want one." I said, "I got you." Right. Like I love that, right? And and that, but that's different to, um, not having any rich friendships. I have right. multiple rich friendships. Like our our friendship, as an example, you know, we're, we're very new friends and I can see it being a, a just a, a very meaningful friendship in my life because that's yeah, the type I, I make those friendships. I, I, I thrive in them, right? Narcissists can't do that. They can't open their hearts. They can't be vulnerable. They can't show their shit to their friends. They have to be considered perfect. That's another trait, right? Like if you see yourself as or if you see the person that you're with, And they're always painting this picture of how amazing they are, but never speaking about their flaws or faults. They're Mm. perfect. That's a red flag. That is a red flag.
0: Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights... You're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. I'm thinking of like, I know probably two people in my whole life that I've met that fit the diagnosis. Like yeah, that I have friends who are in relationship with. What was common about them is one, just the way they dismiss the needs of their partner like completely like it was about their world and da, 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 And they were totally out of integrity with a lot of things and all the people started to notice right because all the friends of the friends were like hey like something's fucked up here the way that they talk to you in this situation is not okay the way that they're gaslighting you is not okay and what I noticed is they started to then put wedges between like the, your friends are lying to you. You can't trust your friends. And so they start to create this isolation, which abusers do, right. Is they create yeah. this space between you and your family, between you and your friends. So I think it's so important that you notice, how do they talk about your friends? Are they already starting to plant yes. seeds? Like, Oh, like what I'm thinking of is like, I remember them saying, like, oh, your friends are really promiscuous. Your friends are this. Your friends are that. I don't trust you going out with them. It's not you. It's them. So I want to protect you from them, or they don't treat you well. Meanwhile, they're like, hey, your partner's a dick. You know, uh, you know, <laughs> I haven't used that word in a long time.
1: That's a- <laughs> but that's a good point. And that, that leads me to, you know, I was thinking of other things and the um the criticism piece right? So not only are they constantly criticizing critici- and trying to separate, trying to segre- segregate and separate things, right? But not only are they, are they uh, picking on on your friends? They're picking on you. You know, they're teasing you. They're pushing the edges of that. Um, everything you do, all your habits, like the way you eat, the way you sit down, the way you dress, call you names, mm. sarcasm, passive aggressiveness. Like if there's an extensive um behavior of this, you've got to be careful. Even particularly when you were excited about something and you want to celebrate a win in your life, irrespective of what it is, it could be that, I don't know, you got a promotion at work as an example, right? Or you just got a new car and they knock you down. Or they'll say, oh, yeah, you, you were able to get that new car because I came into your life and I made, and I made you happy. Mm. And, and because you're happy, you're happy at work and they gave you a raise, like that type of thing. And and you may think, are you serious? Are they going to say that? Yes, that's, that's to the extent that it can go to. And they, they can justify so easily, Mark, so easily, so believable.
0: And they're so good. Like their ability to master language and manipulate emotions yes. and create hooks, you know, like create these little hooks and – what I find occurs is one, creating a dependency on them um, for many things, needs. And, and you said something really powerful before. I mean, you've said lots of powerful things. But one of the things you said that I wanted to point out was that you said they might meet your needs, but superficially. So like yeah. they'll take you. This, I think, is one of the biggest reflex is when someone takes you on a trip in the first moment they meet you. Like, let's go to you're not going on very big trips right now, but you know, let's go to yes. Greece. Let's go yes. to this. And they like to take you on the swooping, it's too much. It's compensation. Right. And it's it's uh in the movies, it's everything. But in reality, it's Right. It's way out of Disney. It's like, you need to be a princess laying on a train track or up in a tower that some person needs to come and save you from. And like being wounded isn't a way to seek connection, you know, like to connect through that, then you're always dependent on them to fill the hole that the wound is. Yes.
1: Yes. Hence the, hence the needing each other.
0: Yeah. It's uh, it's such a slippery, easy slope, the charisma, the slickness, all the, saying all the right things. And I think we yeah. often only associate it with men, but it exists yeah. in both. And of course it does. And because it's a, it's a compensatory strategy, you know, so we all have compensatory strategies and we tend to model one of the ones from a parent who we inherit the sort of same patterns generally that they have till we're brave enough to face it. And the people in this course are certainly brave enough to face it because they're facing it, which is beautiful. That's right. So, yeah, any other thoughts?
1: Yeah, there's a couple more, man. I mean, there's, there's probably many more. The you know the gaslighting piece. We spoke to that. That's definitely the one where you know they you you become wondering. Am I too sensitive? Is it my fault? Am I doing something wrong? I'm why am I apologising so often? That could be another mm. thing as well. Right, you, you you something's not right, but you can't identify it. Like right? and you get you're confused. Like confusion is a big part of it. You know, you start making excuses for your partner's really mm, that's like big. toxic and unhealthy yeah. behaviour. That's another one. That's
0: what my friends did for them. Was like they'd be like, yeah. yeah, but they had a hard time at work, and they're this, and they're da da da, and yeah. it's like, yeah, and
1: yeah, that's right, and that's doesn't, yeah. Another one is, um, uh, you know, the definition of the relationship, but like they struggle to. They there's, there's a dancing, there's a there's an avoidance of, oh uh, yeah, we're sort of together, yeah, but I mean, do we really? It's a little early, right? Now. Oh, you know, we're together. Uh, Why are you
0: gonna put so much pressure?
1: It, it just, there's no there's no. Oh, we don't need labels. We, we who needs labels? Look at the, the the era that we live in. We don't need labels. Why do yeah. you want labels?
0: Yeah. Why are you so passe? So old school?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know we don't need that. And then, I mean, another one that's connected to that as well is, um, which is well, we you know we, we just started dating. We're we so that narcissist will overtly, overtly. Um, cross boundaries, and some 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 that are spoken, and some that are unspoken in terms of overtly flirting with other people, uh, staring at at other individuals in a sexual way, like in front of you as as your partner, like disrespecting you. Not that there's anything wrong with looking at someone else, but when it's in a you know when it's in a particular way it's just unhealthy or disrespectful. When it's
0: leering and disrespectful, yes. and it's hurting your partner.
1: That's right. And yeah. it doesn't have to be spoken about. Like It's pretty fucking clear, but narcissists don't have that frame of reference that they, they get that, oh, this is going to be a hurtful thing. Like, they just don't get it. And, and that, which, lead, which leads me to the next thing, which is they're right about everything in their opinion they're right and they don't need to apologize for their actions they don't need to apologize for for what they've done they they struggle to hear they're not active listeners that's for sure they can't understand you um they won't take responsibility for their choices and their actions um they won't compromise they won't meet you in the middle if you're seeing this consistently this is this is an issue right this is a big issue another one which is when you when you finally when you want to break up you're like i'm done this is I can't do this anymore. I feel like I'm going crazy. Um, they panic. Mm, yeah, and there's, there's an intense extreme turnaround from their behavior to how they are because how they're behaving is like you don't really want to be with me why you're behaving this way. But then when you want to break up and you finally put it down, Massive panic, which can then turn to massive aggressiveness and rage and making you wrong and blaming you and, and gossiping about you and, and to your friends, threatening,
0: you, yeah. threatening
1: you, manipulating you, um, telling all your friends that you're wrong, like real destructive behavior after the panic. It can be very, very painful.
0: yeah that discarding and that incredible uh like you think about that like some of the people i know have been in relationship with that type of person and stories you hear it's just like they're willing to take them to court they're willing to make up stories yes. they're willing to do so much stuff to protect themselves from experiencing rejection wow. abandonment yeah. and shame all three either one
1: yeah. you
0: know it shows you how important it is that we really get good at monitoring and seeing red flags like how imperative it is you know it's it's not just a red flag and and, you know there's funny memes about it of like i want to see how red the flag can get you know but those are funny to think about but when you're in it and your body's going like hell no and we're like yeah i mean we could just see a little longer um so yeah, I think about how so much of it is they start to become the source of our self worth. We feel Correct. good about ourselves. They take it away, and you said uh, they can be highly critical. And in doing that, they start to create like chips that they can then deposit back in with yes. per- gifts, purses, trips. Oh, oh so the, the gifts are
1: the distractions. The super yeah. the superficial
0: oh yeah, you saw that text. Here's the thing you always wanted that's elaborate and over the top, but you'll never feel truly connected to me. And I think it's so important we recognize that when we start to meet needs for security, safety, whatever, with wants.
1: Yeah, it's a distraction, man. It's a massive distraction, those gifts and those those pleasing. Okay, so
0: that's a lot of really beautiful information. So curious, just to sort of close off, how do we what would we do in terms of like preventative measures and how do we rescue ourselves? And that could be your closing soliloquy.
1: (laughs) Soliloquy, I love that. Um, Empathy and compassion, I'm a big fan of that. Is if you move into aggression and disdain, it's only going to feed them and, and really not help you. So meet them with empathy and compassion. Surround yourself with people that you trust, respect, and revere to give you a perspective yes. on what they're seeing, on what they're seeing as well to help you. And then set really firm and healthy boundaries and learn how to say no and honor yourself. And primarily- All of that is do your inner work because you're the common denominator in your life. Seek a coach, seek a therapist, whatever it may be, trauma specialist, a somatic worker to help you with your traumas of attracting the same kind of person over and over again, or even attracting this person in your life. And what are you doing to bring that in your life? Where can you elevate your own sense of self-worth? So engaging things that you can do to elevate your own sense of self-worth, ground in nature, get competent and confident in your physical body, challenge yourself on a regular basis, basis and overcome those challenges. So you feel empowered Surround yourself with people that see you and love you and appreciate you and, you know, practice learning how to receive. There's some things.
0: Fuck. Yeah. To like (laughs) surround yourself with people, learn how to move your body, eat nutritious food, get into a state of you are the source of worth for yourself. Yes. And I love that idea of like how important people who speak truth into us, like don't go to the friend who tells you everything you want to hear go to the friend who tells you the truth yeah anyways brother thank you so much for your time i appreciate you you. everyone i'm got a link to him in the lesson go check him out go follow stefanos on instagram he is filled with brilliance knowledge and if you're looking to work with anyone he's a good man to work with
1: thank you brother. appreciate you